this is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to sessions from the media rumble 2018 welcome to everyone here at the last session of the news laundry uh, two day media rumble and uh, this evening we have with us anurag kashyap meghna gulzar rajiv and neeraj people who made movies uh, which have actually done something very different from what we are used to basically making statements that are that go out and are they have weight they have uh, weight in all kinds of ways including the political and part the topic today is concerned about neta abhineta is political cinema um, you know is it possible in india today i think it's a bit of a no brainer because it's never been a possibility there's never been a, for years together we've always had difficulty in making films uh, whether they have a political figure in it whether the film is political in vain or it has a political kind of statement to make in either of those cases those films have always come up against all kinds of censorship across the board whether it is the Uh, the film certification board or whether there are little little pockets of censorship which we are very proud to kind of, it where they spring up everywhere and they kind of come up and say you cannot show this you cannot show this uh, you're not allowed to show this so i think this whole business about watching films which have political either political themes or political people or even just the mere mention of politics is really something very hard and as filmmakers i'm sure am i all all my panelists have faced this in some varying degree or the other so i'm going to ask i'm going to start with anurag your film black friday came out in 2007 and it came out after a great deal of struggle i remember you had shown it to many of us before it had come out because there was just no way that the film was ever going to be out um how we all know the journey because it's been well documented but do you think if you made a movie like that today what would happen do you think a film like that would actually be just you know waved through or would it have as much difficulty uh, for people who most people will know what black friday was about uh, but we'll get anurag to just wait for a second please go ahead uh i would say the situation is pretty much the same it's not like ever has most is the same across the world people in power when you challenge them with your art or anything they are never going to be very gracious about it or going to accept it or embrace it i'm saying even in the us so when a lawyer potras documentary comes out she goes through the same kind of a thing they go through similar they don't they have laws in place and they know how to go around that and they put it out there and there's a system that's in place that supports them but it's the same situation everywhere today if i have to make black friday i will go out and make black friday i'm scared of making black friday not because of censorship but because i don't want sometimes i don't want to go through the trouble of fighting them because there's a way there's no way you cannot make or say what you want to say but it's a long and tough journey there are laws in place people give up after the first executive committee that that is too scared that is doing a job that says ye kar do wo kar do wo kar do because they're going by the book and you have to know that and by now i understand that completely so i don't pay attention to what they're going to say if i have to i'm making a film which is about a subject i know i have to fight it go to the next level revising committee i have to go to the tribunal i have the supreme court in the end and yes. i have gone to all four levels yes and eventually the film will come out you have to take the long journey everything will have consequences the thing is the most restrictive regimes in the world comes out with the best films right yeah it does but a lot of the time uh, uh, filmmakers end up spending in uh, as you said fighting or struggling against the whole business about being able to say what you want to say the way you want to say it and that is something that i've been watching for the longest time well, and it's just it's just it sometimes does it exhaust you it does exhaust me sometimes but i'll i'll say for example let's take the recent example of a sacred games and a controversy that blows up right or if you talk to any members of the censor board or i have talked to a lot of people and i fight with them a lot i i got mukhtabas out without a cut right and i did not face much problem they get into a problem also because one we are dealing with a marketing marketing of a film that 95% if they you don't have a star they will push you to create a controversy 
And then what happens, the producers exploit the controversy. You put the censor board and you put the regime on a back foot and you start blaming them before you have gone through the process. Then they will start, if you start attacking someone, they'll start defending themselves. Yes. We don't make any, we want to make a film, we want to put out there, nobody knows anything about what I'm trying to do with the film. Till the film comes out, let the film speak for me. But they make so much noise to the papers and they call it publicity because of which the, everybody will defend themselves and they'll fight you back. I have not known any filmmaker across the world who has not dealt with censorship. Rajiv, I wanted to come to you because after you making your third, you're making your third feature film after almost 18 years, because I remember it was 2000 when you did uh, Minsara Kanava, which came out as Sapne, and then Kandukondan Kandukondan, which you had come to Delhi for, and I remember having a chat with you at that point, and we were, I, when, I was, uh, when I caught Rajiv last weekend, he said, oh, that was 20 years ago, well, you know, that's how long it's been. Uh, when you come back to your feature film, which is a very interesting subject, you picked up a very hot button topic right now, because you're talking about your protagonist is a Dalit, who wants to break into the, you know, the sacred, the, you know, the this confines of Carnatic music, and that is that is the film that Rajiv is currently making. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the making. What exactly got you to this path? Because right now, T M Krishna and other people are all been, you know, they are all working very hard at breaking all these barriers. And it's a very deeply political subject. How are you? You? How did you? How did the? What did the process uh, mean to you of coming to this? Uh, I, in, in my case, I was making a documentary, and I was making a documentary on a great uh, rhythm maestro, uh, Mr. Omeyal Param Shivraman. So I, I had no idea that uh, the Mridangam is made by Christian Dalits. Uh, so when I discovered that, I was just curious, why hasn't anybody who makes the Mridangam ever wanted to be a player? Well, uh, the truth of the matter is that there is no rule which prevents that, you know. In, in Tamil Nadu, some of the biggest musical figures are from the Dalit community. They don't talk about it. And uh, you've had even great classical Vidwans who are from other communities. But um, the issue is, uh, when you see it as drama, it's more about um, an outsider coming in or a person with talent, uh, you know, not getting an opportunity. And I think, Political sloganeering per se doesn't make interesting cinema. It's when combined with interesting characterization that it becomes uh, a beautiful story to tell. Otherwise, it's just a news item. And what warms the cockles of my heart is that, uh, well, where we come from Tamil Nadu is where maximum political action has uh, resulted because of cinema. In fact, one of the dialogues in our film is that uh, the main international airport in, the, in, in, in Chennai is named after a scriptwriter. Nowhere else in the world is uh, Anna Dure, the scriptwriter, got a name. Five chief ministers have come from the film industry. Uh, that's because the people involved were writers, uh, story dialogue writers, then actors and then actresses, but uh, the thing is, it was part of a social movement. It wasn't just a one-off thing, you know. So it may look um, impossible, but it was very political, and it completely changed the course of uh, the political discourse in Tamil Nadu. Now, when it comes to here also with the present climate that we are looking at, and we are seeing some fringe group coming in and trying to stop some film. But what also is the positive thing is, uh, your film, uh, you know, Meghna Gulzar's film, which is like so brilliant and was accepted by everybody in India and it is not uh, the kind of rhetoric that one sees on some popular channels where you call Pakistani generals and keep bashing them. But it's, it's really about seeing both sides of the story. All the great success of Bajrangi Bhaijan or, uh, you know, PK or anything of that sort, I think the people are largely um, not influenced by, um, you know, this kind of polarization. They watch interesting cinema, and if the story is told in an interesting manner, they will do it. Politics with good 
drama is required. Yes, I completely agree. I mean, and that is really what is missing because when we when we don't have good writing, then good writing doesn't have layers. Then nothing happens. It's all a blank, basically. But that brings me to you, Meghna. Your Razi has gone out into the world, and it has just won. You know, I, I don't think it stopped traveling, and people have just been, you know, smiling at the at the at, when your film ends. People just walk out smiling because of the fact that for a long time we really haven't had a film where you put the country that has been demonized as something that has people in it. You know, human beings, people who are who have the same kind of you know difficulties, problems, happiness, joys, whatever you want to call it, right there. So when you were making Razi, I know you said it is not a political film. How do you kind of make a different? You know, how do you differentiate the fact that it is about politics and yet it is you call it not a political film? What do you have to say? So um, you know, it might be difficult to believe, but. This was not conscious to not demonize Pakistan or the people from the other side of the border. It was not conscious. It was, it was just so organic because I knew where my story began. I knew where that girl's journey ended. It ended with her deciding not to abort her Pakistani husband's child. I knew that was where the story was going to end. For her to take that decision, she had to genuinely be in love with that man. For that to happen, that man had to genuinely be a good man, apart from being a Pakistani soldier. And therefore, he had to belong to a good family. It was as simple as that in the writing. It, I mean, the realization that, you know, this is a film which is actually uh, speaking very differently about Pakistanis or showing them very differently in our cinema, that realization dawned on us when we saw the cut for the first time. We hadn't even it was not conscious, it was not, it was not uh, tailored that way. Um, it, the story lent itself to that neutrality as well. Right. Um, Neeraj, I want to bring you in at this point and, you know, your film, um, Masan, which, you know, you made a few years ago, was a revelation because it actually, you know, meshed very many things, very many themes so beautifully together. It was, you know, set in Banaras and it was about life and death and it was about young India and it was about, you know, uh, sort of militating against the shackles that old India had, you know, imposed upon them. So, and again, in its own way, it's a very deeply political film. How did you, I know that you've been living with the subject for a while, but the process of making it, how did you come to it? Oh. I don't think we set out to make a political film because I feel that is inbuilt. I mean, how that is also one big problem that I feel everywhere that uh, you cannot dealing yourself with the state. I mean, all of us here, we cannot uh, function without being associated with the state somehow or the other. Now, my, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to excuse myself talking about my film and whatnot because I want to talk about how I feel about politics in general in cinema. I. Uh, I generally feel that we should go a step back and see, first talk about representation. Now, about 60-70% of our population is rural India. Tell me the last film that you've seen which has rural India. Dangal doesn't count because it's a sports film. I, we have not seen at all, we completely discounting them. Imagine you're saying that 70% of your country is subaltern. Now, in the same sense that uh, also Masan, the reason why it also came in also because there is no representation of uh, lower castes or Muslims or anything. I mean, I've heard a recent news about how uh, a real-life character story where uh, there was the character was Muslim, and in the film it was changed to Hindu. Now, even in films, you see all the 90% uh, of the protagonists, 90% of the characters' names are all upper caste. I mean, you're robbing off people's identity. That is, I think, a larger political statement by denying your political identity. Invisibilizing them, basically, yeah. So, a couple of days ago, last, I mean, today is a Saturday, and I, yesterday, a movie called Mulk released. It is made by Anubhav Sinha, and it is really one of the few films that has come out in the, in the last many years. Fully mainstream, fully in the, in the dramatic uh, tradition. Has anybody here seen it? Anybody seen Mulk? Okay, so if, if it, it is a miracle that, that that film exists because it talks about Hindus, it talks about Muslims, it talks about how to be a good Muslim, and 
Anubhav Sinha's script basically again sets it in Banaras, again has Muslim characters who are basically people first and then they are their religion. And I think that really is the kind of film which I said needs to be made much more often. This is something that we are, as filmmakers, I think, and I struggle with not just invisibilizing a certain kind of person, because there is commercialization, there is the imperative, agar isko is film mein to kaun dekhne aayega? Is that something that you no, grapple it's, it's with? Not, I think any, see it's a very simple thing, when we are writing a story, I have a character. If the character has a surname, in this country he has a caste. If he, if the film is set in a certain place, then it's set in a region, then the politics of it all will automatically see through into the film. So any film, good political film will actually be about the people and about the truth of it. And it will automatically be political. The problem with us is most of our mainstream resorts to rhetoric. They want to, and whatever is the popular rhetoric of the time, they'll put that in the film. I'm saying Mulk has gone through its own share of struggles with a sense of it, but nobody's heard of it. Because the filmmaker knew what he was standing up for and he fought it within his rights, knowing what rights he has, very quietly in the film came out. He did not use it for promotional purposes, which is why a film like that comes out. So I don't think it is impossible to make that. It's just that most of our cinema is popular and massy. I think most of our cinema also lives in a bubble. And I think a lot of us who are sitting across and people as audience, we are also responsible for the kind of cinema that gets I mean, made. It, it is an interpersonal relationship. Yeah, yeah. See, because what happens is, we're making so many films. What will survive on screen is what people go and watch the first three days. So it doesn't matter how many discussions we have like this. But I don't think anyone sitting here is a person who will be standing on Friday in a line to watch a film that he wants to watch. They definitely will watch that filmmaker's film that they want to watch, but at their own time. By that time, that filmmaker's film won't be lasting in the theatre, it will be out of within a week. So I'm saying all us offers who are on Twitter on Facebook, we don't stand on Friday and Saturday and Sunday to go watch a film that we want to watch from a filmmaker. That's why Netflix is a place for us, that's why it's where we'll survive. But I have not known any single person, and my films are seen eventually, and more often than not I ask them, where did you see it? 90% of them have seen it downloaded on laptop. So the thing is, it's an interpersonal relationship the audience has with cinemas. So if they yeah. will go and watch... Uh, Rav, are you yeah. you're but, saying that... Uh, I, I really think that discourse trickles down to various strata, and then maybe it does influence sometimes to watch a film. I'm saying... It, it does, it does. The thing is... The film, when the kind of film that we are talking about on this platform, when they start monetizing, it makes the other films possible. The problem is we are dealing with filmmaking on various levels is an art form that costs money. It's always somebody else's money. It's not the artist's money. It's not the man with the voice, his money. He's always being funded by somebody who's in it for business. That is true. And also when a filmmaker is making a film about a political figure, and they want to name him or her, they are going to come up against a blank wall. They are going to come up against people who will come and say, that is showing that person in a bad light. We as a country, we haven't really grown up enough to actually watch cinema, which, uh, which will uh, just sort of take us down paths that we have never done, you know, have never gone down before, or because we don't want to be challenged enough. And also, we are also, the, there are systems in place which will not let a filmmaker actually break through because everyone's so scared that somebody will be misrepresented. Is that something that happens in Tamil Nadu a lot in your kind of, you know, have you, have you experienced that happening? That is a particular, like Karna Nidhi, for example, if you want to mention him or Jai Lalita, will, there will be some kind of a group and may not be very fringe. I wanted to just actually pick up on the fringe aspect. It's all coming into the mainstream. Is, is that something that you find difficulties with? I, I don't think uh, you can directly mention political figures. I wonder why in, not. Uh, I mean, that's that's a question that we have to all ask ourselves. I mean, Man Maniratnam did make Iruvar, yeah. but he had to sort of uh, cage it and yes. make it something else. But you cannot officially state it because um, uh, and for, for uh, I mean, Mr. Karnadi um, di uh, did uh, see the film, not directly, but his friends in the media saw and told him that it's not a bad portrayal of him or something. But he had absolutely no reservations against the film. Uh, but having said that, what, what really is, is the issue we are facing is that 
you know, producers don't gang up and, you know, have a panel discussion and say that let's not have political cinema. They just see somebody has had a hit shooting in UK, so chalo UK ja kar shoot karenge. Chalo NRA film banayenge. Chalo achha costume dalenge. That's all that there is. There's nothing more than that. Don't give them too much thought beyond that. The last hit is what you want to recopy. So originality keeps going down and we keep on recopying. So if you look at the 60s, Hindi cinema was ruling the roost all over North Africa, you know, in in Arab world as well as in Soviet Union, because those characters had got more social roots. That you, he was asking for, where is he coming from? And when Neeraj is asking that question, actually, to some extent, the 60s films did tell you that, you know. And we progressively have reduced that, and everybody started living in Mumbai. <laughs> I mean, in that fictional city, you know, the characters don't live anywhere else. It's not even Mumbai. Rampur. <laughs> it's not even. We don't know that place on the map. That's we don't know who this person is. It's, it, it's like they've, they've come out of this machine where it is a North Indian what fair boy with, with, oh, okay. with uh, Rahul, Rahul, Mehra, Gupta, whatever. Yeah. And the girl is, <laughs> you know, there was yeah. some movie where there were two, the, the story was about two twin brothers played by one actor and they had girlfriends who were played by two different actors. I couldn't tell one girl apart from the <laughs> other because they all look so similar. So yeah, that, you know, that's... Yeah, so basically what I call it, it's La La Land, you know, we, mainstream doesn't live anywhere other than that. There are no addresses, there are no surnames, there are no people. You cannot fill in the outlines of one person because somebody will say, that person doesn't look like me. He looks like a South Indian, not you. Yeah, yeah. Somebody like Dhanush, he, he looks like a South Indian. How can we watch a movie like that? It's dark, hai, yaar. I said, Tum nahi ho, kya? You're also breaking the stereotype. Hai, yes, <laughs> you're responsible. This is, this is luckily South Indian sitting over here. <laughs> All this, you're speaking it here. So anyway, Neeraj, I wanted to, you know, uh, turn the conversation to you. When you're thinking of a subject, and I'm sure you're already, and you know that the funding is really something that we uh, filmmakers struggle with, unless you have strong corporate backing or, or something, the money of your own. So when you are looking at a film which is so specific with people and with places and the political uh, atmosphere seeping into it, do you struggle with where am I going to get the money from? Is that a rate limiting factor in the way you process? Uh, some part of it, I'll go back to what Rajiv sir just said. Uh, firstly, I think they're no more fringe. Uh, fringe is the mainstream right now. Uh, secondly, I think you said made a very valid point a while back about um, political cinema. It has to be, uh, for me, uh, for the past three years, I've been struggling to make a film which is political in nature. But it's not because it's political in nature, but because something that re deeply affects me. And I lived with it, I, I traveled around India, tried to make sense of it, and, <coughs> but I was not able to fit into a story. And I didn't want to make a film just because I'm too passionate about, it, about certain thing. And I said, it can't, there's no narrative form to it. Narrative is weak. For me, narrative is above anything. So I abandoned that after three years. I haven't faced uh, those kind of challenges, at least. I think these days, producers are a little more I mean, I've done the rounds of all studios meeting and, you know, what ideas do they have? Yes, I mean, the kind of script that have been pitched to me in the, I think Meghna will also uh, agree with me because the kind of pitch scripts that have been going around is um, any kind of nationalism, uh, the defense, and then uh, either, or it is a biopic about a sports, sports personality, getting that Olympic. That's more important. Okay, I, I start to question that, you know, are there no other political parameters at all left to explore because are these the only ones? I mean, the answer, everybody knows where we, what, what is being hinted at, right? So, uh, I, I don't know how to, uh, you know, bow myself out of this situation where they say that it's so noble a cause, it's a nice thing. Very, another uh, related point to what he just said also is that there is a new trend also that I may be wrong in assessing is that uh, you hide behind a political film. Uh, you uh, may not completely believe in the ideology that you are presenting, but you will do it because it's a popular theme to do it. And you may uh, kind of have weaker craft that gets hidden just because, oh, it's an issue, it's very good, it's very good, we support it. 
But I fundamentally feel that is again cheating because a if it is a political film, it has to come from way within that you are deeply affected by. That's when it should come. Second, it should not be perceived because okay, I have made a film on patriarchy, I, against patriarchy. Okay, that doesn't mean that you give me brownie points. It should be judged for what it is. Absolutely, I think a film has to be judged on its own metrics, and that is something that you know I we do believe that is the only way to look at a film. And Meghna, what? Aniraj was saying something about funding and about the money that you need to cobble together to make films which are not really formulaic, though I have to say in the last 10 years Hindi cinema or Bollywood has trying, you know, has been making strides very slowly, but it is getting to a point where there are other stories are being told, including your Razi. So when um, going forward, now that Razi is such a, is, is a success, do you think you'll find it easier to, you know, to get the money, to get more, uh, you know, sort of funding money on board? Does that happen? Because of, I think, like uh, you're saying, one film is set in Pakistan, so maybe 10 other people are not going to rush where you did, mm. right? So. No, so I'll tell you, the, the ease of funding will happen because of the success of my last film. The minute my last film is not a success, that ease is going to fly out of the window. But having said that, even if my last film is a success and my next subject is a difficult one or a tricky one or say a slightly controversial one or an uncomfortable one, it will not be easy to get funding. I just want to take you back to before Razi, there was Talwar. Talwar, yes. Which in its own way was a highly political film because we were taking on the law enforcement uh, and the judiciary at the same time. And um, I have to hand it to the producers of the film to have the, um, you know, the grit to stand by a subject like that. But the legal department was breathing down heavy on me saying that you're not going to be able to say this. So I was shooting alternatives for everything that I thought is going to become a problem. And um, we came out of the censor with no cuts. Not one cut. So sometimes they do tend to surprise you. Um, a lot of times I've also seen what happens is that even if a film it doesn't intend to be political, it gets politicized for whatever reason. You know, whether it is um, Padmavat, it, it is, you can't say Padmavat is a political film, but it was politicized. Uh, I remember many years ago there was Rockstar and in that, in one of the songs, there's the flag of Tibet and free Tibet at the back and suddenly there were demands made to have that blurred out. It is the nature of our people. We will politicize what is apolitical, and what is political we will want to suppress. I also, yeah, I also say that does it's happen. not just nature of the yeah. people. See, censorship has for long, and it's taken me a long time to understand, because I've dealt with censor boards so much, and I've understood it, which is why I don't complain about Cracked it anymore. Cracked it, basically. <laughs> no, it is not. It is because, you know, censorship, very honestly, is a political tool that no party that will come in power will let go of. No one. Any part of the world. It's a political tool. It is not people who react to that flag or things. It's always used to a purpose. And somewhere the filmmaker, when they understand that, and they know, they learn how to circumvent it. And you know how to not put that out up front and you can protect your film, you'll not find a film that's not trying to take center stage can always will quietly get through. Give us an example of something that Talbar. you did. No, no, Talwar's hers. I'm saying my film. How did you circumvent this? Nothing, I realized that because yeah. when I was naive hmm. and my film would get stuck at the first committee, like Panch, for example, was stuck at the executive committee. I had no idea I can go to revising. And my producers and everybody sat down and said, let's release it to the papers. And I was angry, yeah. And I would give interviews and I would like fight the system and this and that. You know, I didn't understand the process and there was nobody to explain me the process. Had I known there was a revising, Panch would have been out in two months. I had no idea there was a revising committee. I had no idea I could go further than that. I had no idea I could go further than that. But by the time it could reach that point, there's such a big mess out there. And you, and it is, it also becomes, and today's time is worse because so many news channels, everyone, and you become prime time news the moment you go out and say they stopped my film, and it that's what happens. So I, I never tell anyone what the status of my film is. Right. When I'm dealing with censor vote, tell my film is out. I'll fight it quietly. 
Okay, quietly. That's a good one. But it, you know, you whether it's quietly or whether it is vocal. I think the state of political cinema in India has always been not very. You know, you can say you can, quite pathetic actually, because you can count on the number of your fingers about the. You know, the overtly political film, there's something like uh, a Kissa Kursi Ka, which we know what happened to that. There was Andhi, Andhi had just a figure, and that went into such your father's film. And, you know, and uh, the Hazaro Khoyesh, he was the last film, which was deeply political and which Sudhir Mishra managed to get out. And it is still stands for something because it talked about a time and a place and the politics of that time so beautifully. And it's still, um, it's still as strong as it was. And I'm wondering whether any of these films, you know, the film that I mentioned, or any other film, like even um, something like Mulk that came out, is it find all films Films will find their place only if they are allowed to go past the censors and get into a theater. Then they will find the audience. But a lot of the time, this they just get stuck this way because somebody has decided that it is too much of a hot potato and they are not going to be. So, which means that you do not trust the audience. What do you, you know, Neeraj, what do you say? Which is also leading yeah. to a cyclical nature of how now films are being made. Uh, my worry, uh, of course, Anurag has gone through his entire life struggling with the censor board. Now I think we have a bigger worry of self-censorship, which is coming from all this fear of A, the CBFC, B, uh, probably getting persecuted by the state, that why maybe they won't allow, maybe there'll be marches against this thing. So uh, now everybody's so trying to be safe that no, we don't want to go there. Let's not go there. You know, the film will not get made. I mean, not everybody has the courage to actually fi back, fi uh, fight with it. So I feel censorship, self-censorship is going to be the, in that sense, what is happening right now is that we are going in the opposite direction of what we call as political cinema. Because now we are going in a zone where we are we're trying to appease. Foxness. Yeah, it is appeasing to the government. Uh, that we've seen in the recent films, like, I mean, you, uh, I mean, I'm sorry to say about our own ilk of Bollywood that, you know, we feel that we're putting on somebody on a jeep and tying them down and making them march to the road is actually heroic. That's what they think. It is so, I, I can't tell you how ashamed I feel about that. So, uh, we are going in a different direction. And there is, there is no, there are no, they are growing by the numbers. Like you see two films, three films, four films. The, I've just told you about the kind of script that I've got. All of them have the same palette. So, it is, this is the worry that I would, I think Anura would like to weigh in on that. And Rajiv, no, I, I wanted <laughs> I to just get you in. If you put in a national, if you just tell the producer, here is national anthem, you'll get funding. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, What do you think, Rajiv? Is there something that you are, you're always second-guessing yourself as a filmmaker or are people that you work with, Mani Ratnam including, are they always thinking about, like, you know, who's looking over your shoulder when you're actually making a film? Because you never know at which point somebody will get offended. And India yeah. is the republic of being offended, like, you know, within a blink of a second, we are all offended people. How do you, how do you circumvent that? I think it's inbuilt, it's like a meter is on, you know, all the time. We know uh, when we are writing, oh, oh, this is, this word has to go out, this has to go out. It's, it's like we can hear the beep sound which is going to come uh, from the sensor board while we are writing. So, as he said, it, the larger issue, the larger issue in the story and, and, the, and the arc of the story, will it survive uh, if I remove this is a kind of, debate we have and if I were to tell you that it's not and that we are very brave and we don't think that's a, that's wrong actually we want to reach the fact that you want to get into the theater and that you want to as he said the struggle is to make sure your theater is full on Friday Saturday Sunday otherwise it's not there on Monday so that is the other worrying thing that you are trying to appease the larger section of what you think is the film audience which is not sitting here which you don't have direct contact with, you know. But you like films, but you see it on the second week. The people who go to the theater, who stand in that queue, are people who worship the theater like a temple. That happens actually more in, in Tamil Nadu than everywhere. And yeah, yeah. they uh, worship their stars like gods. So they can't even accept if a badly written script <laughs> is made for Rajnikanth, they get really worked up about it. You know, so th for them, uh, the deification of the actor to a uh, demigod has already done. They are already supermen. You know, they are not playing human roles. 
these are problems you face when you are writing for that actor you know mm. you are already facing that and in a different way you also face that when you are writing a social issue but as cinema requires newer newer things as and as producers want you to do older things to fund you have to be smart enough to realize that you have to have the new the edgier things in your films otherwise your films are going to look old and um, you know i mean joint families and things like that are already there on television serials why would they come to the theater to watch that yeah absolutely um, i think there's yeah. you know there's also a point i want to make here um in spite of this environment which is extremely uh, and increasingly repressive i think our voice in our in our cinema is getting edgier i mean you have to you have to give it that that our voice is getting stronger and edgier and yes i mean way back in the 70s my father's film was banned because of the perceived similarity of the protagonist to mrs gandhi but let's not forget that in our films it's a standing joke ki hamare yahan to police hamesha last mein aati hai we make fun of our police we make fun of our politicians it's a it's a different thing that we do it in such a mediocre way that those films never get noted you know that corrupt politicians we we show them so openly in our cinema it's not something that we don't do it's just that we may not use real names or they are done in such mediocre yeah. or those commercial films Stop which are never character. judged you know or taken seriously anyway who neta to sare corrupt hote exactly so it's it's not like yeah. we don't yeah. do yeah. it and the politicians are like that no, and the like, cops are like that no, actually yeah. today yeah. says there's there's as much political truth possible in cinema as much political truth there is mainstream media news <laughs> the more truth is possible online <laughs> yeah okay so i think i've just been told that we have a few minutes left and i have to open it to the audience so you know um, i was actually going to uh, i will keep that question the online question yes but uh, oh my god so many hearts okay um, right whoever gets the mic first i guess yeah And please, Hi. please address your question to the person you want them to answer. Yeah. Okay. Hi, my name is Varnaz, and it's actually I want to ask you all for simple advice. If I have a script, which I do, irrelevant, but uh, which has no, it's very politically. I'm asking a very political question. So, if the backdrop of that script is the 1984 Indira Gandhi assassination, but the story is really simple and sweet about a few girls who are 17 year olds which is relevant for today's day and time it looks like you have a script yes i do <laughs> so uh my question to you is this that will i get into trouble because of course of you will it? yeah is of it as obvious as that yeah yeah absolutely there are always consequences it, yeah. huh there are consequences to anything right. and everything Yeah. You tone down your politics. Yeah. Then uh, your your same friends mm -hmm. who have you shared the script the first time with also will laugh at you. That's also another consequence. But I have the courage to make it. I don't. I'm not scared. No, no. This I'm saying that there will be consequences, but there's nothing. I asked this question to Varun Grover. Somebody was asking him last night after his event. Don't you get scared? What gives you the courage to stand and speak up? He says, I don't know. Nobody stopped me yet. <laughs> is always the imaginary enemy yes okay guys i have i've had other kind of issues but i have never had a gun put to my head and told not to speak up in clusters okay let's uh, clusters please just get yeah. me get me a cluster over there right yeah hi yeah. Uh, because it's a discussion on politics and cinema my question will also be political so in 2016 uh, bollywood director vishal bharadwaj said if i am not a leftist i am not an artist do you agree with that uh, can't content art or cinema which has content uh, things like uh, say somebody winning a olympic gold or have uh, a sense of patriotism does that have to be equated with bad where cinema? did vishal say this uh, it was quoted in the hindu um okay all right <laughs> i have if it is the hindu, i i, I, I disagree with that statement that you have I to be any is follow any ism yeah. to yeah i doubt very much that he would have an artist you just have to be an artist to be an artist okay cluster over there please yeah, yeah we'll just Some, take them yeah here is shubhral give you the question okay over here cluster there yeah uh, 
Yeah, okay. So, just a simple question. Uh, the political uh, repercussions of such movies, has there any been such a situation or what is the response of established actors to such movies? Do they don't want to be a part of it or they want to be a part of it? Anything like that. Are you asking anybody particularly? Yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you, my experience here has been, and I, I'm, I'm guessing that I've, uh, my experience is different from Anurag's, of course. Um, but, you know, somewhere I feel, not that his in integrity was any different, but I think his, film, his films also had a much more volatile political nature than mine did. But um, even if you're making a film on a very, very controversial subject, if your integrity is pure and that you're not doing it to great people's uh, consciousness or emotions or sentiments, but you're doing it to just bring out the facts like Talwar was, uh, you will not have a problem with the actors. If the integrity of the content is in, a, in the right place. Does that answer your question? Okay, please. Yeah, and there's move. one thing yeah. I want yeah. to say to that also because often we see that in the media. You know, I don't understand sometimes when people say that why don't actors have a political opinion, want to give out? They might have one and they might not have one. Why is it imperative for them to speak out about it? I think people have their own rights. I think same for writers. Somebody, if I want to stand up for something, it's because I want to stand up for something. It doesn't mean that everybody else has to stand up for something or an actor has to stand up for something. Everyone else has their own pit of struggle and their own demons they're fighting with. So I, I don't think that just because you're an actor, you have to have to take a side. I'm sorry, I'll just make half minute of addition to this. Uh, there's another point, this whataboutry comes in that, you know, uh, you actually uh, raised your voice for this particular thing. Why didn't you raise your voice for this? You're, you film people are just like, you know, you pick your battles. So there's what about, I, I think that, see, when we're making films, we're not just opining just for ourselves. We're representing 300 people who are back there who's, their lives, their, their livelihoods, their salaries, everything is dependent on that. We say one statement, maybe the film gets stopped, so we are answerable to them. So it's not that we are, you know, cowering down or something, it's just that we, we want to be dignified in our approach and we want to take care of all the 300 people backing the film. So it's not cowardice, I would say it's, I don't know, I mean, that's what I feel. Maybe it's pragmatism, prudence. maybe it is, you know, prudence, maybe it's maybe. prudence, maybe. Yeah. But it yeah. is a nuanced, I mean, there needs to be more nuance in the way people ask as though they cannot demand, for, for sure. You have to, it has to come within a particular context and everyone has, yes. Uh, um, I have a question for Anurag. Yeah. Do you see online stuff like Netflix and Amazon Prime? Like, of course, online is a growing, very, very fast growing channel. Do you see it as becoming more important than it would have otherwise? Because it's relatively free of censors and censorship. There's yet. Yet. See, yeah, I, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah. I'm saying as of now. But it's for the first time in my life I knew my release date for my online content. <laughs> and I could plan a holiday. And I had booked my tickets and not kept them open. And I left two days after it came online. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here. Over there. Uh, hello, yeah. my question is to Madam Gulzar. Uh, do you think that the neutrality between India and Pakistan, which you said you weren't w aware of, it wasn't a conscious attempt while you were making Razi, appeals to Indian or Pakistani population outside cinemas? The neutrality between both the nations. Um, I would like to think so because I think the number of people uh, who have gone to see the film is what has translated into what the film has earned. And um, because it showed an incremental rise in the number of people who were watching it, obviously the people who had seen it were obviously recommending it to other people. Um, also I'll tell you that when I say that this was not a conscious decision, it was subconscious and organic is because I have had interactions with Pakistanis, delegates, cultural uh, groups who have come from across the border. I have seen my father interact with those people. I've seen the relationship he has with them. So I think somewhere subconsciously also it was ingrained in me that, you know, we are one. We're actually just one people. This is, this is political lines and so that's probably what got executed the way it did. But I would like to think so. I mean, I, I know people who are Pakistani origin but were not living in Pakistan who had seen the film and were actually putting posts on social media about how other Pakistanis should see it. Okay, do we have a cluster this side uh, on my left? Yeah, here? Yeah, okay. Okay, one. 
गुड इवनिंग सर एंड मैम आई जस्ट वॉन्टेड टू आस्क अ क्विक क्वेश्चन दैट इज इट पॉसिबल टू मेक अ फिल्म ऑन द मोस्ट कॉन्ट्रोवर्शियल बुक सेटानिक ओवर्सेस इन इंडिया You have a copy of the book. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. <laughs> Let's start with that. <laughs> okay. I have not read the book, but was it a good book? I, it's a wonderful book. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. It is completely outstanding, and I do have a copy of the book. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have not read. This question is to all the directors on the stage. Uh, hypothetical. Uh, in the next ten years, if all issues of financial success was to be taken out as a constraint for you individually uh, what is one or two either a social political cultural economic or environmental issue that you would personally want to invest and think that this country could use the power of cinema uh, to deliver just individually i'll tell you it's a very it's a kind of a you cannot take the finance out of cinema <laughs> camera costs money everything that goes into the, the film costs money and mrinal sen said i think mrinal sen said this right if if making a film was as cheap as a pen on paper i would do anything you want me to do is that will always be the case i think he's saying hypothetically hypothetically there's no hypothesis here no but even if it is the case if it matters enough to you you will still go and do it I have a script that's work in progress. I will not talk about it, and I know it's extremely volatile, but it means enough to me, and I will try and do it, Any? irrespective of the financial repercussions. Okay. Do you have something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Hi. I'm here, and this question is to Anurag. Um, it somehow feels that you are able to. Uh, bring in political ideas smoothly into your movies you know you could be on one spectrum where you do gulal and easily spin political ideas within a rana ji song and on the other hand have something like a mukabaz and have it a more underlying uh, theme how do you do that no, when i got stuck with sensor for 7 years i spent a lot of time watching iranian movies <laughs> that's a good one if, my thing is if, you know if people can make films in iran and people can make films in china and people can make films in so many regimes you know which as a filmmaker i am blessed to be a filmmaker in india i know far greater filmmakers who i admire filmmakers i put up there i am talking about oscar winners who have had interactions with who say that if we come and make films in india can we find money that's how desperate situation most part of the world is to make films especially political films i'm saying we are living in a cinema obsessed country in spite of bans in spite of failures i make a film every year no filmmaker can say that so you know you figure your way around things you you will tell me you can't leave get out from this door i'll get out from that door you shut that door i'll get out from there i'll find a way to get out i'll dig a hole <laughs> but i will Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hi. It was mentioned here that 60 to 70 percent of the population is rural, so the film should also be realistic based on the population. And sir, on the other hand, I also heard an interview of Nawazuddin Siddiqui where he mentioned that when I did Vasipur, my mother didn't like it because you know all the the way he his character was portrayed. But when he did Kick or Raise, in that he was wearing all those you know nice clothes, and and his mother liked that. So don't do you think that thing contradicts in itself? No, but I don't think that's fine. My mother never liked my films. <laughs> She didn't understand why did I make movies like that. She liked Mukkabas though. I, I, I think it's also about the language. You know, they they have been seeing a cinema uh, which is vibrant but completely different from international cinema, and international cinema is obsessed with realism and we are in a song and dance uh, kind of thing for so many years you know i mean so we are not complaining that the americans are coming and taking over and all that so there is something fantastic and powerful in the indian film form which is dealing and reaching out in some ways to the large number of people so there is nothing to be ashamed of that 
and it's just a question of you're communicating in that language. So when Nawazuddin comes in that language, the mother likes it. It's got, uh, it's not about affiliate. Because they're exposed to a certain, the conditioning is so much. If till I did not see, I, I loved watching movies as a kid, right? My father would take us to Lucknow and we'd watch movies in cinema halls. And for me, that was cinema. And I always believed filmmaker was some kind of a magician who could do these things. The day I saw the cinema, that resonated with me in a way, I did not, I love that cinema, but that never gave me an idea of wanting to be in films. The day I saw the cinema, I said, this is how I think of stories, and that also can be cinema, is when I left for Bombay. But it's a conditioning that you can't change. When my brother made Dabang, after all these years, my whole family sat down and told me, this is how you make films. <laughs> So, I've dealt with this in my own home. I don't think any one of so us is will this, make is this, films. It's in the works? Is the dabang in the works? Anurag's dabang in the works? I don't know yet. I have to mark <laughs> Okay. No, I, I was just saying that I don't think we, any of us will make films. Not make films because thinking that what will our mother think. I mean, that is actually a disservice to you all, right? I mean, to everybody. Okay, at the back over there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, actually, what is the general perception in India? And I feel it is actually that the people who belong to uh, actually belong to the Bollywood, they have really very easy entry into the Bollywood field. Bollywood field. But we are really fortunate to have Anurag sir over here, who really belong to the middle class family. But he has now made his entry into the Bollywood field. So, uh, what you would like to suggest other youngsters who are really aiming to go into that field? You know, you see, she belongs to the Bollywood family, she had it very difficult. When she made her first film, and Razi, how many years? 2002, Pilhal. 15 yeah. years from the time she made first film and Razi and Talwar. Nobody has had it easy. Anybody who makes it from the film family or not film family, make, you get the first chance easily. So I'm saying you have to want something so bad enough that you don't realize the journey and the pain. You just will want it, it'll take you there. You have to just want it bad enough. I, may I add to what just Anurag said? Uh, I was a marketer out of nowhere, I mean, no connection with film world. And I, uh, I happened to know him through blogging. We were good friends on critiquing cinema and we used to write a lot about world cinema. Uh, just because I knew him, I think he gave me a chance to assist him. No, we, we never and met him. His, his version is romanticized. Excuse me, <laughs> you remember Vishalji ke saath kamine ki party? Yeah, so anyway, so, he's he denying was, it, but he, he was online and he was the most aggressive guy and wanting to talk about films and like you and all that. And he was, he had a seven-figure salary in marketing. No, and he okay. came to me. We can no, the point is, aside. the point is, the point is, the point I'm trying to make is that if I see that, then yeah, I mean, he favored, so there were at least 100 people out there wanting to assist him. And I said the same thing, Anurag, you have so many people. You're asking him is a big thing, but he did that. So would you call that nepotism? So I'm just saying it's the first chance that maybe you get from anywhere or other and true talent will survive through the way. So it is unfair to actually judge anyone that, okay, you've got a silver. Most story. people have the problem that he understood in one hour. First question he asked me, I said, ask, quit your job and come and join me as the lowest assistant, right? And he had a seven-figure salary. His first question was, my CTC kitna hoga? <laughs> you know what he said? He said, CTC matlab chai patti? <laughs> Okay. And for no salary, he came and joined me. He had the courage to do that. You have to, you have to be passionate and crazy to be in this business. You, just you have to be able to want to do it so much that you will die if you don't, I'm told. That is what it is. Yes, at the back over there. Hello, ma'am. Uh, I want to know when Talwar was made, the case was kind of going on, right? And you kind of made it an open ending, right? Uh, like. It, is, it might be the parents, it might be the servants, it might be the one. And when the case got closed, kind of, kind of, the verdict was out. So how was the situation on that? It was kind of political, it was kind of public. So how, how you kind of came up, okay, I'll keep an open ending, and I'll be like, okay, the case is going on. So, uh, like, it's like a kind of a dicey thing. How will it end, and I've made the movie already. So let me correct your chronology there. Uh, the verdict of the CBI court, the special court, was already out before we went into production. They were pronounced guilty and they were sentenced to life in prison. We started filming after that. The film got greenlit after that. We would not have touched it if it was sub-judice. 
when it released, <clears throat> they had not even appealed in court. So it was out of the legal system when the film released and was in the theaters. The appeal in the High Court against the CBI court judgment happened one and a half years after the release of Talwar. Black Friday was that, yeah. So you, Black, Black Friday, Friday was, was releasing while the, was, the trial was still was going on. Yeah. While the case and was it, still it going it on. Was which was is held back was, from release, not by census, by the court, till the judgment was out. Because, because of it being subjudice. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, it was not left open-ended because of what the verdict would be or what the trial would be. It was always intended to put two narratives before the audience, present all the facts in favor of the parents and against the parents, and leave it to the audience to decide whether they are guilty or not. It was intended. Okay. Please. Meghna, thanks so much for Talwar. I've seen that family go through so much. You've done such a great service. I have a question for Rajiv. Rajiv, tell me something. I'm a, a documentary filmmaker and an independent journalist. I want to understand, you spoke in the beginning about how drama is needed to make any story exciting. Is it ever possible to see cinematic documentaries in India? Would we ever get that kind of funding so that maybe that's the way to tell real political stories to a larger audience, if not as large as you guys, but maybe we, we should not even try and get there, but are larger cinematic documentaries possible? Uh, on, um, I mean, normally, whatever happens in the West, you know, you, you see that trend also picking up. Now, you just take, for example, stand-up comedies, right? Now, in urban conditions, stand-up comedies have become really acceptable. So, documentaries made in the traditional BBC panorama fashion have given way to more uh, Michael Moore kind of a uh, aggressive position that you take. I think it's definitely possible in India also. I mean, if basically it's like gonzo journalism. You what you can either give information realistically or you can have it under uh, you know whatever language you want under whatever influence you're writing. Uh, the point is, information per se is available on the net, but art needs passion. You know, you need to feel somebody's passionately <coughs> telling you a story. And uh, if you are going to take a documentary form and then tell it aggressively, I'm sure there'll be takers, you know. And to add to that, I think ultimately it boils down to the commercials. If it is patronized, if you guys will go to the theater, buy the ticket and see it, more and more people will make it because they'll get funded. And we are, there are a lot of Indian documentaries that are being made. Yeah. And they also, like, we had a winner at Sundance, which was an Indian documentary. That the problem is, they don't find theatrical release. Yeah, but I'm saying that most documentaries across the world are going online. Today, yeah. cinema, all independent cinema and documentaries are going online. Cinema has become an arena. It's only for events. So. Oh, hi. My question is to anyone on the panel. Uh, with the content that we're seeing online on Netflix, Amazon, whatever, uh, everyone has to catch up including Bollywood, Hollywood, everyone is catching up on the content game. As Ma'am said, like everything becomes political if you have a character in a city and he has a name, right? So do you, do you think regional cinema in India is actually really overtaking Bollywood and is gonna, Bollywood might become uh, irrelevant because look at Sairat or look at, uh, I mean, Angamali Diaries or anything which are like so deeply political and making money also in their own sort of arenas. So, and when we adapt Sairat to that we actually suck the politics out of it a little bit. So, do you think we like Bollywood because of this like immediate want of making money or being safe will actually become irrelevant because of that? I don't think. Uh, see, regional cinema I think is more rural and more rooted in most part, parts of the world. But Bollywood will become redundant because of Hollywood being dubbed in various languages <laughs> because we have to up our mainstream game. But I think uh, the, the independent cinema and most of the other cinema will find its own way to survive, find their own platforms. Filmmakers will have to figure their ways out. In the sense, a lot of film, I, I like to watch my films on screen and it's a lot of fight to do that. I and believe but a great content will always cut through any barriers. Sairat, for barrier. example, is a four crore film. I mean, it is done 130 crores, more than Dhadak. So I don't think... Medium as such, yes, it does have a bearing, but uh, it's the power of the content, it can travel anywhere. 
So two things. One is do not call those films regional, please. Because in that state, Hindi could be a regional language. Yeah? I mean, okay. we, yeah. the, and the our, other thing, our, our other multiculturalism, thing is, the way we survive, yeah. so will our films and, and our culture and our artistic in fact, expression, I, the way I, we survive. Yeah, sorry. In fact, I think the most political thing that we can do as an audience is to actually access films from all over, uh, across the states from our own country. That is a political act and that will really, that is true crossover. Let's talk about crossing over later outside of the country. We should be able to see Rajiv's film when it comes out in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, we should be able to see either a subtitled or a dubbed, hopefully subtitled version right here, the day it releases in Tamil Nadu. That would be deeply political too, you know, so yeah. And Sorry, I'm really yeah. happy this small uh, chain. I forgot to put this caveat that whatever my political views were, were about Hindi mainstream cinema. Regional cinema is deeply political. I mean, they're at least doing far, far better from what we guys are doing. Okay. So I think that's All a right. differentiation is necessary. Right. No, I just, and also I wanted to, Neeraj, do not call films content, please. Cinema, please. <laughs> I, my heart breaks when we talk about content in cinema in the same way. Well, the only it's one not. who sees the film before a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're so passionate about it. No, but, and I, how many years, man, you know, this, this is stuff that keeps us all going and um, great panel. Thank you very much. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.